Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion for December 4th, 2007 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined each week by our team of Orlando experts, Bob Varley, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, and John Magi. This week we'll tell you about the top news stories on the Diz, including why some area theme parks may be designated as high-target terrorist sites by Homeland Security. Julie Martin has a special edition of her store tour series. This week she takes us to the days of Christmas at Downtown Disney. Kevin Close has a review for us of Tusker House at Animal Kingdom. And John, Kevin, and Bob will give us an update on their Royal Caribbean cruise last week. All that plus Roundtable Rapid Fire and your emails on this edition of the Diz Unplugged. Well, first, uh, welcome back, everybody. Thank you. Uh, Thank, miss, you. Thank you. Miss seeing y'all. Um, Kevin, John, and uh, Bob were on a cruise last week. Yes. And as such, we did not do the show. I'm sorry we didn't give you guys a little more advance notice on that. But... Uh, Bob's perfect attendance is still in check. Yeah, still in check. I was sick <laughs> on the cruise. Oh, no. I'm going to miss it. Yeah, Bob was very worried about that. I so. even called in. I, I, I did a yeah, call in yeah. on the 800 number. I, I had know. a call twice, though. I know. <laughs> did you leave your contact information? <laughs> I forgot to, but <laughs> I screwed up the cruise. You know, here he starts out, hi, this is Bob. Like, I'm not going to know. Like, I'm not going <laughs> like, to know. Here's some paper well, towel the, wipe the that brown I off a, your nose. Well, thanks for clearing that up. The, the reason I had to call twice was my cell phone kept fading in and out. I was going off the coast, and I was like, oh, I forgot to call him. <laughs> so, well, it's good to see everybody again. And um, we're going to be getting together twice this week because our first podcast meet is coming up this Thursday on the 6th. Mm-hmm. And uh, very, very cool. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. From 4 to 7 at the Dolphin. We're going to be on the 12th floor in the hospitality suite. Now, we had said the swan previously. It is not the swan. It is the dolphin on the 12th floor. And we're going to have some uh, hot and cold uh, hot and cold food, some mm-hmm. beer and wine, some soda, some coffee. Coffee, desserts. It's going to be a nice little spread we're going to put out for everybody. I know Corey's working on some signage so people will be able to find the rooms. And Yeah, yeah kind, of, kind of what's happened here is I, I, I normally do a party here at my house for... Uh, you know the moderators and the boards, and you know people who work for us and people we work with. Anywhere from like seventy-five to a hundred people um, we normally have here at the house once a year for a party, and this is kind of replacing that. I guess this is neat. This is a. Yeah. It's much easier on me. Trust me, <laughs> not having to have my house clean from top to bottom. I'm glad it's at the Dolphin. There's a nice view from that 12th floor. Yeah, it's a beautiful room. Yeah, it does. We saw the pictures. It looks great. If the schedule goes right, we're going to have a shot at seeing the space shuttle take off at 431. That would be cool. Yeah. That was one of my rapid fires, but we'll get it out of the way now. So it all, the, the room faces east, so we got a great shot at it. So we don't have to go to the far end of the parking lot? No. <laughs> we can look up. Well, we, can go, we went to the far hotel, okay. the Dolphin. So. Figaro just clawed the crap out of my leg. I was wondering. He was, he was trying to climb up. Figaro likes to, uh, the, my cat likes to jump Scratch up on the, things. well, he likes to jump up on the table while we're recording. Be petted, but that hurt. So, <laughs> that ain't going to happen. I am not made of bark. Um, now, also, as I mentioned on the boards last week in my announcement that we were not putting up a show, I wanted to remind everybody that we are going to be giving away a seven-night cruise on Christmas Day, our Christmas Day show. Christmas happens to fall on a Tuesday. I think the timing on this is perfect. And uh, we, we had announced that, I think, back in April when we started doing the uh, email prizes that we're doing. It's a nice Christmas present. It yeah. is a very nice Christmas present. I thought it would be really cool to do. So now we're doing that, and we're just that's uh, if, if your email or your voicemail gets read on the show, 
um, you're in the running. Anybody whose email or voicemail has been read since, I guess, the end of April. Yeah. Is I eligible. Have them all. <laughs> there was a question. This is not just the monthly winners, correct? No, no, this is not just the monthly winners. This is anybody whose emails that we have read or if you, we've, we've played your voicemails. If you've gotten a t shirt from us, the monthly you're winners in the all just went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're. Because it'd be a much smaller pool. <laughs> My odds just went down. <laughs> and we are going to try and get in as many emails and voicemails between now and that Christmas show as we can so that everybody gets considered and everybody has a chance. But if you do not win, in December, don't worry because we're going to be giving away some really, really, really cool stuff in January. I'm not ready to announce anything yet. I'm not ready to give any specifics yet. But January is going to be a huge, huge giveaway month. Oh, I and I, uh, so I'm just letting everybody know if you don't get the cruise here, there will be other opportunities next year. And I'm not saying we're going to give one away in January, but you never know. <laughs> so just... But send in your emails and your voicemails. We've been getting some really creative ones now that people know the cruise is on the line. It's, it's really interesting to see how many voicemails came in since I posted. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, if the smart people are realizing that, you know, uh, there are far more emails than there are voicemails. And I'm more likely to play a voicemail that I like um, over an email. So. I think that iPod turned people on, too. Yeah, yeah, I think, too. That uh, probably helped. Yeah. That probably helped. Giving away a few of those. All right, so... January, lots of cool stuff. So I just want to let you guys know that. And there was something else I just wanted to throw out to everybody. One more housekeeping thing, then we'll move on to the news. Uh, I was watching 60 Minutes last night, and they rebroadcast a segment they had done a few months ago about this organization called One Laptop Per Child. Uh, basically, the idea was the idea behind this company was they wanted to build a laptop that could be given to children any, in third world developing countries that could be used as a real computer. And they're building these and putting them out for $200 each, $199. So something like um, that. And it's turning out to be something extraordinary, and these machines are really actually decent computers. They've actually started doing that, haven't they? I well, think what I've they're seen doing, pictures. The reason I'm mentioning it is as people are getting ready for Christmas, um, a, lot of people are see- a lot of people in the United States are seeing these computers and saying, hey, you know what? That would be really cool for my five-year-old, my six-year-old, whatever. Um, and what they're doing is they're doing this special right now where you can buy one, but you have you can buy one for your kid, but you got to buy one for a kid in a developing country at the same time. Hmm. So for three hundred and ninety-nine dollars, you get one of these laptops for your kid and one that goes to um, a, a kid in a developing country. And we're going to have a link to this on the show notes page, but it, it's just. It is not a for-profit organization. This is a, a non-profit that's doing this. This is really genuinely good work that's going on. And the, the, the 60 Minutes piece, if any of you saw it last night, was just spectacular and really, really showed how, 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 much, how much thought and consideration went into this. You can, you can charge this thing with a, with a hand crank. Wow. You don't need to plug it in. This thing has, it has radio antennas on it. It gets better Wi-Fi reception than virtually anything you'll buy. Hmm off the shelves because it has these built-in radio antennas. That's awesome. The screen the screen can be used in full daylight, and you could see it perfectly. Hmm. Um, it's incredible. It's incredible. So uh, we're going to include a link to that, but it's uh, laptopgiving.org is the website, and this only goes on, this offer is only available through December 31st. So, And uh, I just wanted to put that out there. So with that, we are going to move on to the news. I think that was probably the longest housekeeping we've ever done. <laughs> 
All right, our number three news story. Even though the legal battle is over between Disneyland and area developers over a now-failed plan to build low-income housing in Anaheim, it seems that the bad blood from that feud is still as strong as ever. The Coalition to Protect and Defend Anaheim has announced that they plan to gather signatures from local voters to force a ballot initiative that would require Disney to get voter approval for any new building projects they want to undertake. And if you folks have been listening to me talk about this story over the last several months, this is exactly what I said was going to happen. Uh, however, the group, which was originally funded by SunCal, the developer of the housing project, is now looking for money to offset its expenses. Since the proposal to build low-income housing was voted down last month by the Anaheim City Council, SunCal is no longer funding the group. Most observers doubt that the group is going to be able to get the number of signatures they need to get an initiative on next year's ballot. Todd Ament, the co-chair of the Disney Back Save Our Anaheim Resort, said, quote, it's their last-ditch effort to attack the resort district in response to losing the fight to put housing here. There's no logic to it at all. And it is. It's pretty vindictive, I guess, on you know, on the part of the people who were supporting the housing project that lost. Um, but, you know, Disney made a lot of bad blood in this. They didn't handle it well. From a public relations standpoint, they really came out of this smelling bad. You know, I, don't know, I don't know if it was clear from reading that story. Basically what they're saying is any time Disney wants to expand their resort now, they have to get approval. Yes. That's pretty much the bottom That's line. That's what they want. This. So if they want to do anything, they have right. to get approval. They're looking at that third pack and trying yeah. to put or some... Even, but even beyond that, uh, you know, expansion to a hotel or something like that yeah. is going to have approval. I love their name, Coalition to Protect and Defend Anaheim. Yeah. It's like the Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, you know, it's like, well, Save Our Anaheim Resort, I think, was a very poor choice of, of names for the Disney-backed coalition that was opposing this housing project. What are you saving your resort from, poor people? Because uh, that's how it comes across to me. And that's how Disneyland ended up looking in my eyes. I, I think they're, they're a little damaged after this one. Save us from the poor and unattractive. Yeah. Yeah. I pictured the cast of Les Mis with their flag. <laughs> <laughs> Storm the barricades. <laughs> oh, leave it to a queen to come up with a little <laughs> reference. <laughs> All right, well, our... Second news story this week is a new mandate by the Homeland Security Department could spell trouble for Orlando's theme parks. According to an article in the Orlando Sentinel, the government wants places like Walt Disney World, Universal, and SeaWorld to report more information about chemicals stored throughout their resorts. Chemicals like hydrogen peroxide, which is commonly used as a disinfectant, can also be used to make explosive devices like the one that killed more than 50 people on a London subway in 2005. For their part, the theme park industry is very cautious. One executive from Universal Orlando is reported to have told someone from Homeland Security that anything that equates terrorism to the theme parks is just plain bad for business. There are more than 300 chemicals on the list that Homeland Security wants monitored. Any company that uses more than a stated minimum amount of any of those chemicals is now required to report to Homeland Security not only what chemicals they're keeping but how they're being stored. And it's not just theme parks that are going to be affected. Any company that uses large quantities of these chemicals will have to file these reports. Homeland Security estimates that anywhere from 1,500 to 6,000 facilities across the country will be deemed high risk because of the chemicals they keep in stock. Reps from Disney and SeaWorld have both stated they feel this will not have any real impact on their business. Universal would only say that they are examining the issue. So it's I can understand why Universal would be nervous i mean they've had they've just you know taken a beating in the last few years with at their turnstiles so i guess 
equating terrorism to anything at the theme parks. I guess that makes sense. But you know what? These chemical there's a lot of these chemicals around. What's really weird is that uh, any company that has any quantity of these chemicals has to report has to report to OSHA anyway. So why doesn't Homeland Security just go to OSHA and say, let me see your records, let me see what people have? Well, it's possible that what OSHA needs to look at and what Homeland Security needs to look at are different things. Yeah, you know, but now, you still have to report any quantity of any of any of these chemicals. Maybe there's ones on there that... Like shampoo. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, this is, for me, this just comes down to, you know, this this sounds like a reasonable thing for the people who are supposed to be protecting us to ask for. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, you're reporting reporting the chemicals. It'd be more important, I think, that the amount of chemicals you're using to see if there's any uh, discrepancy in the discrepancy. Area. I'd be more concerned about that. That's a good point. You know, rather than okay, we have these chemicals. It's like right. okay, we're going through an extra hundred thousand gallons of this stuff, and where did it go? Exactly. You exactly. Know, it's a very good that. point. So, I think that's more important. So, well, it's uh, see what happens with it. Hopefully. See what happens with it. Our uh, top news story this week is a sad one. Uh, a cast member working at the Primeval World at Disney's Animal Kingdom died last week after she was struck by one of the cars and hit her head. According to the Associated Press, 63-year-old Karen Price was conscious and talking with paramedics directly after the accident, but was unresponsive by the time she reached the hospital. She remained in a coma for five days before she passed away last Thursday. The family has requested that no other details about her death be released. Our condolences do go out to the family, and we'll keep them in our thoughts. Mm, yeah. It's a terrible sad. story. Very sad. It's kind, of, it kind of creepy about this, as we've been in Animal Kingdom a, a bit the past couple of weeks to do the reviews, and we took Kevin's mom over to see that ride. She really hadn't seen it, and she mentioned it. She goes, boy, that doesn't look safe at all, even for the people who are working it. It was just, it was very, very sort of ominous. That I had the I'm same sure. feeling the first time that Corey took me on it to ride it, which has only been maybe a couple of months ago, maybe mm-hmm. between two and five months ago. But I didn't like it, first of all. I didn't feel safe because I had to like hold myself mm-hmm. into my position because you're spinning and whirling or whatever. And then even getting on and off, like I'm having to hold on to him or the whatever, you know, to get out. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. And I could be wrong, but from what I read in the story, I believe that. She was in uh, she was in a restricted area that she probably should not have been walking in when yeah. she was there, right. yeah. and she slipped, fell, and hit her head, and then got hit when I was hit by one the of the cars. The cop came along and hit her. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't like the way that the news reports went with the story either. It's just they gave misinformation partway through, and it was just a horrible. Yeah, thing. It's, this is a freak accident. Yeah, you know, well, I don't also think sympathies go out to the family. The media here in Orlando loves to use Disney. It's the 400-pound gorilla in the room. Just recently, a man passed away in Disney. He was in his 70s and had, um, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe he had some sort of heart problem and collapsed and fell and passed out and and then was pronounced dead. But the media announced it as another death at Disney. So it's it's always, you know, it's that target and that, you know that crisis music that they play behind it. Yeah, I, I believe mean, I, I believe they said this was the ninth death since 2001 um, at Disney. And you think about that. Think of how many people have gone through those turnstiles in the last six years. Yep. And you know, it, and it does. It bothers me when when people. You know, yes, yeah, sometimes these things aren't aren't newsworthy. But to equate them with you know Disney doing something wrong or Disney being somehow negligent um, is. Is is unfortunate and and foolish, but 
usually when they put the Disney World on on top of it, you know, at the headline, it automatically ends up into the, you know, the. the it main, makes it news. Yeah, it makes it yeah, world. Exactly. Event. Right, and it's like everything else. The first thing you do is oh, they're going to talk about Disney. Let's pay attention to what yeah. the next news story if is. If the same exact accident, and again, it's tragic, had happened in a mall or had happened in a factory here, nobody else would ever heard yeah, exactly, about it. Exactly, exactly. So, All right, well, that'll do it for the news this week, folks. We're going to move on to our rapid-fire segment. And who's going first? I'm ready. Bob is all <laughs> That's set. so weird. I just patted him like, okay, yeah. Bob, you can go first. She gave, <laughs> she gave me approval. She gave you the pity pat. He's got to withdraw from not doing the I show. I think so. I feel He's really so, bad for just him. so hyped up. Uh, my rapid-fire is uh, at SeaWorld, the Polar Express experience is, is over there now. Uh, for the holiday season, you can take a magic trip to the North Pole. Uh, it debuted on November 23rd, and it's going to go through January 1st. Bob should do the voiceover for the attraction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's your magic trip. Uh, here's your bell. At the pole. I wish I'd brought my train thing. <laughs> you don't need it, Bob. It's oh, implied. Okay. Anyway. Uh, they hear it anyway. <laughs> Just like that bell. You know, I didn't even associate the two with until then. Uh, SeaWorld's Wild Arctic w- is transformed into a, a thrilling, never-before-experienced expedition to to Santa Town. Uh, Nothing like reading off the marketing copy. <laughs> I know. I, I broke it up, too. But uh, it's it's something different that, you know, if you want to take the kids over, if they like the movie, that's a Listen a good to us thing. for authenticity. We're going to read right off people's marketing <laughs> copy. Yeah. This is from the Newswire, PR Newswire. So. Are they going to have the same characters like in the movie with those cold, dead eyes? Yeah, I think eyes? Tom Hanks is... They, <laughs> yeah. they have, I've never seen that movie. Oh, it's yeah, it was kind of, it was interesting. Good. It was very creepy. It was creepy. <laughs> they took an absolutely beautiful, stunning classic children's book and creeped it right out. <laughs> <laughs> so stick to the book, in other words? Yeah, they did that weird sort of animation movie thing where they actually used real people and put little mirrors all over them so they could turn it into animation and... None of them had real human they, eyes. They put sensors over the actors. It's <laughs> like uh, eyes made of coal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you look at you, you look at that, and then you look at Beowulf, and you see how far they've come in a few years yeah. with that technology. Now, but, there's a Christmas but, story I'm waiting for. <laughs> Beowulf, <yeah. laughs> Chances are Beowulf isn't being marketed to the same age group. So tell us a little more about this adventure, Bob. I don't want to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep it rapid. So... Uh, but it, it, it goes along as... What else did the sto- press release have to say? <laughs> <laughs> the press release had lots of stuff to say. Uh, it was I'm sorry, Bob. I love you. It was wonderful and magical. They're <laughs> also doing a Shamu Christmas Miracle show. Uh, it's a 22-minute production uh, through December 25th at the Shamu oh, Stadium. I was going to say something. I'm going to edit myself, though. Okay. Um, and they have a bunch of other stuff going on, but that's it. I'm going to keep it rapid. <laughs> I'm done. I'm <laughs> okay. it's like, that's, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> it's like Bob's saying, I'm going to keep it rapid. Just a, 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 <laughs> where's your, where's your sign, up. Bob? you got to sign it. Word. I'm going to keep it rapid. Rapid. <laughs> Rapping Bob. It went uh, downhill when I realized there was a train wreck going downhill. So, uh, Julie, what do you have? You yeah, had Julie. an actual train, Bob. Uh, I did. <laughs> 
Um, I have Disney Cruise Line brand updates. First, uh, the Disney Pin Cruise 2008. Well, after much consideration, the decision was made not to host a Disney Pin Cruise in fall 2008. Really? Yes. Must have made any money. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, the following pins collections will, however, be available for purchase on the Disney Cruise Line ships in 2008. The first ever piece of Disney Cruise Line history collection. Uh, the commemorative Panama Canal crossing and West Coast cruise pins. Leftovers. And then also a redesigned Captain's Choice pin program. Those are the pins they ordered before they canceled really? the cruise. I'm guessing, I'm guessing the pin trading isn't quite as popular now as it was 10 years ago or 7 years ago. I'm going to be honest with you. I stepped out of it. It became very, very commercial. And it seemed whenever we went pin trading, my crap was worth nothing. And everybody else's crap was worth billions of dollars on eBay. So nothing I had was ever fun. And yeah. it just became... It, all it was, it was about buying and selling. Where at one time, it was about meeting people and having fun. And I'm sure there are still people who do that. I guess we just... Too many sharks, though. Yeah, we just sort of lost the magic of pin trading. So we've sold off most of our stuff and don't do it any longer. I was looking at Downtown Disney and you have these people that come in and they have suitcases yeah, full and they binders they full of these things. spread out over like two or three tables and it just doesn't look like it's any fun to well, me. There well, there's been a lot of talk about stuff like that and there have been people who have been banned from Disney property for buying and selling pins. Um, people were asking people to buy them pins and keep the receipt and then turning around and taking the pins back and getting money for it and things like that. Oh, it my just, goodness. It, it all became very very commercialized and it wasn't fun and i again i think there are still people out there and i think that i watch kids trade with the cast member lanyards yeah and i think that program is really successful yeah. I, I love to see the kids doing stuff right. like that but the the high level of it and the 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 commercial monetary value of it it just stopped being fun for us we used to buy them and stick them in our visor on our car yeah julie had all hers on the passenger side i had all mine on the drivers it was pretty cool I that was seven years ago yeah. now they're on a <laughs> they're on a canvas we just stuck them on there and under the bed <laughs> i lost the the urge to buy them when i bought those christopher robinson pins the limited edition was he on less than space <laughs> yeah, that was Will Robinson. You mean Christopher Robin, don't you? Yeah, I always mess that up. But. Christopher Robin. And anybody, anybody wants any of those pins? <laughs> okay, I have another brand update. <laughs> Christopher Robin. Julie, what else do you have? <laughs> well, abort, abort, abort. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you Christopher Robinson's keeping it rapid. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's going to be a day. Uh, that's one for the archives. Julie, yeah. what do you have? All right, Bob. I also have <laughs> an update about the Castaway Club gifts that you get in your room if you're a Castaway Club member. Um, actually, on November 24th, the Castaway Club lanyard was upgraded to include a zipper on the plastic <laughs> pouch. <laughs> <laughs> so as to keep your room key and ID secure. I'm sorry. <laughs> That falls under the category of who cares. <laughs> but I will say there is something else. Oh, um, the Castaway Club stateroom gift is going to be changing, so I'm really excited. There's going to be a large zippered tote bag, a, a mesh backpack, two sports bottles, a notebook with a pen, and a pencil fun pack, which I'm not sure what a pencil fun pack is. I don't know either. <laughs> I'm trying not to but laugh. I will say the notebook and the pen come in real handy. I use mine all the time. That's my rapid fire. I just okay. read something recently, and I don't want to give you figures, but the majority of people who are Disney cruisers are repeat guests. So the majority of them become Castaway Club. In my opinion, Disney Cruise Line needs to have levels of loyalty. 
I think after that is so a great many idea. cruises, you get this. After so many cruises, like you Royal get Caribbean that. does. Yeah. Well, exactly. I, I think the, uh, a level, a loyalty level thing, would be better. So I that th- means on my next cruise, I should have a bottle of champagne and strawberries in my room. <laughs> Corey, <laughs> there you go, Tar- Corey. Corey, take notes. There's a hint. <laughs> she wants noted. She wants a little zipper on her lanyard too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's really funny. Well, thank you, Mrs. Martin. Mr. Martin, what's you, what do you have? The uh, Disney Kennels are changing management. Starting on January 10th, 2008, the Disney Kennels will be run by Best Friends Pet Care. This uh, transition will be done in phases, and it'll be completed in February. Now, the Best Friends Pet Care, they're the leading uh, boarding and grooming service in the United States. They currently have 44 centers in 19 states across the country. Also, Is that off their press release? <laughs> It's off their website about us. Okay. They um, also Disney is scheduled to, to have a new full service pet resort built at the Bonnet Creek Parkway. The luxury facility is expected to open in mid two thousand nine, and will offer pet care to Disney Resort and theme park guests. But the pets can't actually stay in your room there, right? That's what I read. The same thing, and I thought they were building a resort where people with pets could stay. I, I think it's like a doggy daycare, maybe uh, it's a hotel, like a spa. Well, there was a thread about this on the boards, and some. One actually wrote that it will be pet like friendly as far as to to um, have them there, but not in your room. It'd be more like there's a kennel there for them, is what I understood. But I could be totally wrong. But they would be smart to include a facility where pets could stay in the room. Absolutely, oh, I would love that. Also, what we're hearing is that the new kennels uh, might allow overnight stays, or the current kennels at Disney don't. You have to go and actually. Pick That's up a big thing. thing. I think it's a huge thing. That's yeah. be a huge thing. Yeah. yeah. I also have that um, the Disneyland Resort and the Walt Disney World Resort are adding an additional 250 automated external defibrillators, AEDs, um, across both properties. These are going to be installed near public restrooms um, in theme parks, and their locations will be indicated on the theme park maps. I think that's very cool. Excellent. They're adding 50 at the Disneyland Resort and 200 at the Walt Disney World Resort. A few facts. The American Heart Association estimates that more than 250,000 people die annually from sudden cardiac uh, arrest suffered outside of the hospital setting. Mm. In 2003, the Disneyland Resort, Walt Disney World Resort, and the Disney Cruise Line installed a combination total of approximately 600 AEDs, one of the largest private deployments of the devices in the United States. Wow. And in 2006, the American Heart Association recognized Walt Disney World Resort with its Heart Ready Award, honoring the company's efforts to save lives. To date, more than 5,000 cast members have been trained design, um, designated responders in the use of the AEDs, and more than 500 additional cast members will be trained to use these over the upcoming years. I thought that's very cool. They're going to put them next to bathrooms and put them on the park maps like, so people can use them? Well, if like, no. say, say something happens and you, know, you want to know where the nearest AED is, you can look at your park map. and It's and, more for the cast member yeah. to be able to get to it quicker. Right. I oh, I so misunderstood. You're not, not going to have... You have yeah, people going them. around the park zapping people. I love you all, but I don't want you all having yeah. this. <laughs> well, actually, no, these, these, units, yeah. these units are anyone can pick one of these up. It, it literally tells you it tells in you a exactly voice what, what to do. do. Um, so, I mean, these are, designed, these are are designed for the home. I mean, you can have one of these mm. in your house. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That's what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, all the lifeguards have to be trained using these, too, and they, they walk you right through it. That's a lot of uh, equipment to maintain, too. Over, what, 800 now? Yeah. Wow. That's great, though. Yep. So, thank you, Corey. That's it. Uh, Kevin. 
I have something about the movie Enchanted. Uh, we talked to us about this a long time ago, but um, Disney's always been famous for hiding some inside jokes, sort of inside information in their uh, movies. And I found an article in USA Today that I thought was really kind of interesting. And when you go to the movies and are just enjoying the show, sometimes you miss some of this stuff. Some of the insider jokes uh, are where Giselle actually is referenced to other references other uh, princesses in the Disney histories. Uh, for instance, she referenced Cinderella in that the soap bubbles during the happy working song show Giselle's reflection just as they do when Cinderella is cleaning, which is kind of cool. Um, the last name of Robert's fiance Nancy, played by Adina Menzel, is Tremaine. Mm-hmm. That's Cinderella's stepmother's last name. Uh, Narcissa, that's the evil... Queen. Queen. She transforms into a fire-breathing dragon like they did in the movie Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty. Beauty. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a wealth of knowledge over here. <laughs> While Giselle tells the story of Little Red Riding Hood to Robert's daughter, Morgan, there's a bell doll in the background. <laughs> and she's wearing sunglasses. Giselle and Robert waltz at a ball under a chandelier, and the shot apparently references the same as the one in Beauty and the Beast. I thought these were kind of cool. These are cool. Is cool? However, the insider information... The troll who chases Giselle down in New York scene is modeled after the giant in the 1947 short Mickey and the Beanstalk. His loincloth is patched together with remnants of dresses worn by Snow White, Belle, Sleeping Beauty, and Cinderella. And he's wearing earrings made of Ariel shells from The Little Mermaid. I never would have caught that. I so, the, so the troll, the troll is a drag queen? <laughs> Apparently. Yes. We're in a loincloth? Apparently. That's one thing I haven't seen the movie. very much lately. The restaurant where Giselle and Patrick Dempsey, uh, who plays Robert, have a date is called Bella Notte, mm. after the song in the spaghetti eating scene in Tony's restaurant in Lady and the Tramp. The law firm where Robert works is Churchill, Harlan, and Smith. These are the last names of the songwriters from Snow White. Mm. I think that's kind of interesting, too. The divorcing couple's last name is Banks, like the family in Mary Poppins. The old lady feeding pigeons in the park is another Mary Poppins reference. During some TV soap opera dialogue, the characters mentioned Angela, Jerry, and Ogden refer to uh, voice actors from Beauty and the Beast. Angela Lansbury was Mrs. Potts, Jerry Orbach was uh, Lumiere, and David Ogden Steers played Cogsworth. The final thing I have is the journalist who interviews Giselle on TV is Mary Eileen Casalotti and she's named for the voice actresses who did the voice of Sleeping Beauty which is Mary Costa Cinderella which is Eileen Woods and Snow White which is Adriana Casalotti so those are just some of the little tidbits that are hidden inside the movie Enchanted yeah they put a lot of those in this movie this is one of those movies you can watch over and over and spot something new every time well I'll tell you it's somebody's watching. It's seventy one million dollars in two weeks. It's another blockbuster. I mean, they have just had a. Trem- I mean, all across the company, no matter where you look, ABC's in number one is in first place in the ratings. Um, ESPN's doing incredible. You have the theme parks couldn't be doing any, couldn't not possibly do better, and and now you have the, their fourth or fifth like blockbuster this year. Mm. You had Wild Hogs. You had Rat Tattoo. You had this. Uh, uh, we had Pirates of the Caribbean. They had a couple in there that weren't so great. Well, too. I'm just saying from a from yeah. a financial standpoint, whether the films were good or not, they they did well, a lot of money. Was that one that would meet the Robinsons? Oh yeah. And then there was another one. For, what was the other Pixar movie? Yeah, but the thing is, as long as they have a couple of year, a couple out of year, that, that completely overwhelm yeah, it. it really I have one other quick one. 
We went to see the Harlem Gospel Choir at MGM. I was highly anticipating this, and we uh, it's held in the Beauty and the Beast Theater. We went to opening night on November 30th. We actually went to the second show, and I have to say I was a little disappointed. Mm. I was too. Bob and John went also. It's First of all, it's seven members. Seven? Seven. Seven. And I think I was thinking that it was going to be the, the, the Harlem Boys Choir. I was expecting like a larger group of young people. This is seven adults, and while they all have pleasant voices, they kept referring to themselves as the world-famous Harlem, Harlem Gospel Choir. We are the world-famous. I don't know that they're world-famous. I don't think they... <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I've never heard of them. And I think when you reference yourself as that, it kind of takes away from it. I think if someone introduces you as the world-famous Harlem Gospel Choir, that's one yeah. thing. But to call yourself that is... That's kind of just weird. And they had a they had a, a keyboardist and a drummer, which was very bizarre. Yeah, with a beat machine. It was just, it was very odd. It was very just it didn't was very, send goosebumps. Was that part of the seven? No, one there person was, doing no, keyboard. There was two musicians two in addition also. to the oh, okay. seven. And when we went in, the theater was about half full, and half of those people left during the show. Really? Yeah. It, it was first of all, it's a mix of secular Christmas carols and gospel classics. Uh, not gospel Christmas classics like they did Oh Happy Day, which oh. is a, a gospel yeah. classic. And I'm sorry, but I think Disney World has more talented people than this group. I mean, Disney could come up with their own gospel choir and do as good or better a job. I did not think this was... I think they were pleasant. I don't yeah. think they were even... I would not even recommend them as good. But they, they were all had pleasant enough voices. They just didn't sort of blend together. And I didn't get the goosebumps or the chills like I do at Candlelight, you know, and stuff. It just, yeah. It, it just didn't do it for me. I, I maybe, it, it, you know, I was expecting too much, but. They were trying to rouse the crowd, too. I have to give them credit for being energetic. And the only yeah. thing they were doing was really talking people into going. I, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave. Please come back. <laughs> I just think it was, I think it's kind of been. Overhyped mm. for what it is, it's it was. I don't think they're world famous. I guess it was, is my it was disappointing. The best part was actually seeing the stage decorated. The stage was decorated beautifully, and the lighting was really cool. They put snowflakes all around and yeah. lights. And, and this stuff. is the Beauty and Beast Beast Theater. Beauty Theater, yeah. And I also have to ask. I mean, normally in a choir you have sopranos, altos, a tenor, a bass. I mean, you only have seven people, so you can't have that many of each, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. I'm not going. I don't. I don't consider this a choir. This would be a group. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not going to get into the definition of what a choir is. I don't know how many people make up a choir, but this was a much smaller group. These were older people. These were not young kids. And I think that's kind of what I thought they were. Maybe that's my fault. Maybe I mistook it. But I just, it's not something I would right. get out of line to go see. In my experience, I was a choir member in my younger days at church. And we had at least 15 or 20 people in our choir. And yeah. I didn't go to a very large church. <laughs> it's just my, my, ex, my expectations were more than what I got, I feel. I agree. So, no, it's, that's too bad. Yeah. However. Because I knew you were really, really looking forward I to was, seeing I was. You know, I love gospel music. However, I think you can do a far better job at Epcot's Candlelight Processional. That gives you goosebumps. Yeah. yeah this didn't. Every single time. Absolutely. Yep. Well, thank you, Kevin. John. We have some information on the rehab at Spaceship Earth. As we know, Spaceship Earth is going to be rehabbed through February 18th of next year. Um, we know that the new soundtrack is going to be written 
by uh, award win- Emmy Award-winning composer Bruce Broughton, who I have no idea who that is. And they're going to use a 63-piece orchestra and a 24-member choir. Hello. That's a choir. That's a choir. <laughs> yeah. Okay, 24 is a choir. That's official. <laughs> and the big, big news, well, I guess for us, is that the um, the new narrator is going to be J- Dame Judi Dench. I love that. That's I pretty love cool, her. right? I love that she's doing it. Yeah. Who is she? You don't, oh. Oh. I have no idea. She's an actress, baby. He's an embryo. What can you say? <laughs> it's so sad. I'm, I know who she I'm is. I'm younger than he is. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Well, see, Corey, Corey's excuse is he's young. Your excuse is you're uncultured. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, tell they, me who she is. They've actually announced on television today, I got a call in the car on the way here, that they're going to start soft opening previews this month. I was going to mention that. Yeah, Keep perfect. your eye out. If you're in the parks, you might be able to get a chance to, to see it. She's a, a world-famous actress. Very, very famous Stage, actress. screen actress. I'm trying to think of what she's been in. Did uh, you see Shakespeare Cal- in Love? Right. Period. Most Shakespeare recently was, in Love that, she was in that movie with... Um, Marsha Gay Harden. She won an Academy it? Award. She won an Academy Award for pl- playing Queen Elizabeth in right. Shakespeare in Love. Right. Okay. She's very, oh. very a period yeah. actress. Yes. She plays period yeah. pieces. She's a British. She's a British actress. She's. Okay. I mean, a very. I'd recognize her face. Now. No, the movie with Kate Blanchett. What was it called? Lesbians in Love or something like that. I don't no, remember. I'm going to say Marsha Gay Harden is everything. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm in. <laughs> I was like trying to think of the name. <laughs> it, the minute you saw her face, you'd say, "Oh, I know who she is." Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. You know her. And my second rapid fire is uh, the Concourse Steakhouse at the Contemporary is closing for good May 10th, 2008. That is going to be the location for the new grab-and-go uh, food place that's used to be downstairs. So if you have a chance, you're there before May 10th, go to the Concourse Steakhouse. It was a good place to eat. We Do you know who put this on the Diz two years ago? You did. I did. It's official. Well, since you took my rapid fire, I don't have anything. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's cool. I've got another one. You want to no. read, read Mayan again? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Did you hear what he said? Do you want to read Mayan again? <laughs> I have another one. Wait. All right. Well, that'll do it for uh, that'll do it for rapid fire this week, folks. We're going to move on. And why don't we just hear from John, Kevin, and Bob a little bit about their. Uh, World Caribbean vacation last week. Okay. We took a uh, a five night cruise. On Royal Caribbean, we kind of needed a break, and we knew that uh, it was kind of coming up on our busy season, and, G- and December was going to be busy. So we said, listen, how can we just get away for a couple of days? So we found a, a really nice five-night cruise. Uh, we've been all been on Royal Caribbean before, and we love it. We've been on this ship before. It's a navigator, navigator of the seas. Beautiful ship. Fantastic. The crew is great. It was a really nice cruise. The problem was is we departed and arrived back in Fort Lauderdale. And this was a nightmare. When I tell you that this was possibly the worst experience I've ever had in my life. Really? Getting onto and off of a cruise ship. And we've, we went out of Port Liberty in Newark, and we thought that was bad. This was just evil, evil, evil. Um, I don't know if it's Royal Caribbean's fault, but we've been on Royal Caribbean cruises before, and it's never been this bad. I have to blame it on Fort Lauderdale. Just getting on the ship was hard. Getting off the ship was hard. People were rude. Signage was a if they had put a few signs different places and it, it was didn't just, know where to go. Didn't know yeah. where to stand. Didn't know how to get on the ship. I mean, in the, an effort to uh, sort of streamline coming home because Fort Lauderdale is three hours away from where we live. Everybody decided that they would pull their own luggage off the ship rather than having your luggage outside by eleven o'clock the night before. 
we would do the express checkout and just pull our luggage off. That meant you got had to be out, you had to be off the ship by eight fifteen to pull your own luggage. So we thought, okay, let's do that. Let's get a head start on it. Well, apparently, we weren't the only ones who had this thought, and they what made us get off the ship at the deck one gangway. So what happened was the stairwell down to deck one started to back up. Well, then the elevator bays where people were waiting to go down the stairway started to back up. So what happened was people were coming down in the elevators. The elevator doors were opening. They weren't able to get off the elevator, which made all of the elevators stop. So when we finally got off, and I'm not exaggerating here, they put us off at the aft end of the ship. To get through customs and immigration, you had to walk the entire length of the ship. Oh, my. Pulling your own luggage, and then another quarter to a half a mile to the building. You went through, and it was like a Disney queue. They had the lines set up, the switchback lines. So we went through that. Well, then when you walked out, the parking area was down past the aft end of the ship. So you had walked a half a mile to immigration, pulling your own luggage, and now you had to walk at least a half mile back. Well, John and Bob decided they would be chivalrous and said, why don't you guys just wait here? We'll go get the car. Well, okay, that sounds like a great idea. Well, the only sign said private car pickup here. So we waited by the sign. Well, we were told that's not the spot. So I walked over to a group of Broward County officers and said, where can we be picked up if we've got our own luggage already and somebody's coming to get us? And the man said, right over there, the cop. So we went right over there and stood for 25 minutes while they huffed back to the car. And this Broward County cop went carnival ape crazy on us why are you standing here who told you you could stand here i said well you just did <laughs> you you should know you shouldn't be standing here go stand over there and somebody in our group was kind of said but we're doing what you told us to do he threatened to take him to jail are you kidding do you want yeah. me to st- there's max he said, I'm going to cite you. Do you want me to write you up right here and then I'll take you away? And we just kept saying, "We're the car is here. We just have to put the luggage in the car and we'll leave. Well, you can't do it here. And I thought, I don't know where you want us to go. You told us to wait here. So it was an ugly experience coming back. It colored the entire trip. And we did exactly what we were told to do. All I had to do was close the door to the back of the minivan. And it was like, I just want to close the door and leave. Just let us go. Um Ken and I booked a room we've not had before. We booked a junior suite. Absolutely beautiful room. It was spectacular. For those of you who have been on a Disney cruise, staterooms are usually sort of rectangular. We had the same stateroom as like on a Disney cruise, a Category 5, Category 6. However, our room, instead of being rectangular, was square. So we had as much length and width, which gave you a lot more room to walk around the and at, stuff like that. At the foot of the bed. Yeah, Plus, was really your nice. closet was... All I, all I can say is, thank God, I was not there. We actually said that. <laughs> yeah, because I would be in jail. I Several would be times jail. we If that we officer said that. had come up and started getting nasty with me, I would have gotten nasty right back with him. I'm sorry. It was just, and Bob said, you know, a simple sign that said, if you're being picked up, wait over here, would have solved everything. Yeah. But getting back to the good parts of the cruise, we yeah, loved we our stateroom. <laughs> and also, uh, one of the things we love about Royal Caribbean is that you can gamble. They have the casino, which I love. I'm in the casino all the time. 
I lost a lot of money. We're not going to go there. Where was your lucky cat? My lucky cat was home. His lucky cat was home. We'll talk about that. John says to me in the middle of the cruise, with all seriousness, did you pack the lucky cat jewelry that gave me? <laughs> well, that, was, that was after I asked him where his lucky cat was because I never go anywhere without my Aww, you're such a lucky Bobby's cat so that sweet. Julie gave me. <laughs> I, I, I keep mine right here because it's a Corey golden too. one. That's so it's funny. Luck for the podcast. Well, Bob has a story about the casino. I actually have a story, and I brought props today. Uh, I had my lucky cat on the cruise, and uh, I actually got something. Bob entered. I the entered this blackjack tournament. Really? And he came in first. You're he kidding. Has a trophy. Nope. He has <laughs> a I can wow. for the fact that I'm I actually impressed. saw Bob win this trophy. <laughs> I sat there and watched him win it. And I got this shirt. The casino high roller. High roller shirt. <laughs> That's awesome. And That's great. Well, not only that, the, the even better part is I won $462. Wow. Oh, no wonder you were so and I had my. <laughs> I tried to convince him that he should give it back to me because I lost a lot. <laughs> he said, and then it would be all <laughs> even. He, yeah. And he said, Go play everything on red. Put everything on red right now. It's like, no. <laughs> no, oh, I'm going to great. tell Diana. This, this trophy, we can actually vouch for the fact that we saw him win it. This is not yep. something he brought in the thrift cool. store. It's so funny. It has the little, slot I don't know what kind of machine it. that slot is. Machine. Well, that's the slot machine on one side. But on the other side, it's the, 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 yeah. the deck of cards. So I have my trophy. And I'm actually going to bring it to the, the pod meet so people can see it. <laughs> Did you want to touch so my trophy? <laughs> take pictures with my trophy. See, he kept my, asking. I have my own little blackjack table. I've been practicing at oh, home. Oh, my Lord. He kept walking up to us in the cru- during the cruise and saying, do you want to touch my trophy? I'm like, Bob, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I, my lucky cat brought me so much luck. Out of the two rounds, I won thirteen of the fourteen hands, and I was I was laying down in, by the mid of each. By the third round, I was putting up five hundred dollars at a time. He got like four blackjacks in a row through the preliminaries. Wow! And then on the final table, his last hand, he got a blackjack, and that's what put him over the top. Wow! He did so really well. I was like. $5,400 that I would have won if I had been playing for real. Real money. Wow. Mm. Well, congratulations. That's cool. Thank you. And I'm, I'm sorry you had a bad experience in Fort Lauderdale, but it sounds like the rest of the cruise was good. Yeah, and I think the reason why we want to mention the whole Fort Lauderdale thing is there's rumors that Disney might be leaving Port Canaveral well, for let's Fort pray right now. So let's pray that that's not going to happen. But yeah, we had a good time. Well, well, getting in and out of Park and Africa is like going in and out of the mall. It's I know, just it's great. really yeah. easy. Can I also say that Broward County is featured on Cops a lot? Uh, <laughs> we heard some stories. <laughs> I, this was a, a, I mean, not the, a great experience. The first cop was, was nice, and then the second cop came over, and it was like, Mr. Attitude, and it was like, okay, don't say a word. However, he had a gun, right, exactly. so we left. And it, <laughs> and it, Three snaps in a Z formation. I <laughs> <laughs> was, was trying to keep it rapid. All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna move on to our next segment, and Julie is gonna tell us about her uh, store tours experience at the Days of Christmas at Downtown Disney. First, I'm gonna pass out your gifts. <laughs> Yay. Yay! Insert Christmas music here. Uh, I was gonna bring some little bells and ring them, but I didn't. Thank okay, you. first up is a book. I know how Kevin likes tiny books. So this is The Night Before Christmas in Florida. Ooh. One for you, Bob. Hoo-hoo. One for that. you, Peter. And then one Thank for my, you, Julie. my favorite duo. Look at that. <laughs> Santa's riding a space shuttle. And then I also got you guys ornaments. So really something cute. for your tree. Purple is for Bob. Cool. Ooh. 
Blue is for Kevin. <laughs> this is what this question was just about. <laughs> I found out he was colorblind and that pretty much blue is the only color he can see. <laughs> she started really? out, she started out asking me that. what color I wanted. And oh, I said, Peter, you get green. So you guys can open them. Cool, look at that. I love presents. Well, that's actually for y'all, too. Yeah, it's, for, it's <laughs> well, I didn't think you put up separate trees. No, we don't. <laughs> his oh, and his. cool. That's a, oh, wow. It's a little Lee. piece of Louisiana. It's a little yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's a one of those. Lee. Yeah, them. Yeah. Beautiful. I actually that's have, beautiful. Beautiful. we have the purple one on our tree, too, Bob, so you match us. Okay. <laughs> that's cool. Thank you. Um, at the Days of Christmas store, they actually have a small section in the store that is non-Disney ornaments. They have fleur-de-lis, Christmas pickles, which I had never heard of before. Uh, you guys may know the story of yeah. the Christmas pickles? pickle. I don't know about a Christmas pickle. It's a pickle that you place like somewhere in the tree. You hide it, and the first child to find it on Christmas morning within the tree gets an extra gift. See, we just you, we should not be talking about hide the pickle. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's a German tradition, actually. Thank you. You can buy those same ornaments or same ornaments similar to that in the German store. Okay. So, okay. I started off, you know, entered the store. I love Christmas. I love decorating my own tree. So it's it's a little overwhelming for someone like me. But to start off, I viewed the tree farm collection, which is all sort of woodland ornaments featuring Mickey and Minnie and Goofy on their tree farm. So they have a castle in the woods, a tree-cutting ornament, um, Mickey heads, you know, of course, with the brown bells and twigs and red berries. They have a motion figurine where Mickey and Minnie and Goofy are ice skating, which is really adorable. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> and then they also have, like, tea lanterns and frames and a snow tabletop sign that actually spells it out, you know, S-N-O-W. The lovebird ornaments are some of my favorites. These I call this is my name for them. They're the Mickey and Minnie ornaments that are cream and white, or cream gold and maroon. They're, they always have these. <clears throat> they have snow globes and ornaments, of course. The tree skirt and a gorgeous mini tree topper. She's dressed in a beautiful cream dress. And they also have a Daisy and Donald ornament that are dressed exactly the same. Uh, my favorite ornament is the porcelain potpourri ball. This is something I hadn't seen before, and it's just a big round glass ball with cutouts in the top and bottom of it, and it smells incredible. Uh, it also has the date on it for you. You can find tons of character ornaments. There's a huge princess selection, and they also have a lot of blue and white ornaments this year. It's one section, which is a lot of snowflakes and crystals. So if you're into those colors for Christmas, it would be perfect. Just to let you know, our tree is usually blue and white. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I also told my uh, our friends that are Jewish, it's, they have a lot of blue and white ornaments. You could just do an all blue and white tree for they're, Hanukkah. They're a holiday tree. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hanukkah bush. Yeah. <laughs> so, they also have the Disney Railroad train sets. I know Bob is into those. Yeah. They're $60 a piece, and I, I only found these at the Days of Christmas store. I have one of those. You do? Actually, I have two. Yeah. They also have the Christopher Radko ornaments. They start at $42 each and go up. The Precious Moments collectibles, as well as the Linux Disney ornaments. They also include the Baby's First Christmas, That's Snow cool. Babies with Disney characters. One of my favorites was Belle with one of the Snow Babies. It was a gorgeous tabletop piece. It must be a new one. Yeah, I had not seen it before. Uh, the 2007 ornament collection, as always, and they also have a small selection of 2008, in case you do your years, you know, in advance. Christmas goodies, cookies and cocoa and coffee and peppermint bark, which is okay. I prefer Williams-Sonoma <laughs> peppermint bark. 
They have the glass message balls, which are your traditional glass ornaments. They have Mickey and Minnie on top. They come with happy birthday and happy anniversary or happy retirement and baby's first Christmas as well. The stockings for me were one of the coolest things. They have pirate stockings this year. They're actually a pirate boot, and they're either pink and black or red and black, you know, for gals and guys. And then, you know, of course, they have Minnie and Mickey, Pooh and Eeyore. They have the blue snowflake, Tinkerbell. They also have a candy cane that's red, green, and white stripes that kind of goes with the Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party because they also sell the hats in that design as well. You can get Mickey and the gang dressed in their holiday finery, stuffed animals, as well as standing collectibles. Your collectible ornament sets this year, they feature the princesses, the Disney villains, the Incredibles, Snow White, she has her own set, Finding Nemo, Mickey Through the Years, and Where the Magic Lives. You can also find your holiday wear here, tees and sweaters, watches and jewelry. They also have um, the Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise as well. You can get your Christmas hats here, your Mickey Santa ears. They also have a grumpy hat. Uh, the Snowman, A Christmas Tree, Reindeer Pluto, which is my favorite. <laughs> and then you have many ears with Holly, as well as Tinkerbell, a princess. And then you have the traditional ears with snowflakes all over them. It's really cute. Your 2007 resort ornaments are here, $14.95 a piece. They're a flat porcelain item. You know the traditional Mickey heads that you can get personalized? You know, they have these galore it's three dollars per word and artwork starts at three dollars to get these personalized they have red they have shiny and matte um holly snowflake sports theme candy cane they have one made entirely of bells mm. <laughs> and then they also have the jumbo size which is as big as my head <laughs> i love this shop you can go in and yeah smells i like go in it all anytime even anytime if it's not year, christmas yeah. oh yeah it's fun they have the snow village that's my next thing, no, the I, Disney I Village pieces. You know, you're okay. It, okay. They're $60 a piece. They have the castle, the emporium, the train station, fire station, Cinema Donald, and the Haunted Mansion. But I didn't see that one. Apparently, they were either out of them when I was there or, you they know, maybe sold just out sold out or just in the back or whatever. But they were on the sign but not on display. You have also plenty of Hanukkah decorations for those of you who are of the Jewish persuasion. I think they're gorgeous. They even include the the Mickey head uh, door hanger with the bells that hang Mm -hmm. and Christmas lights and ornaments as well. They sell Christmas books, of course. The Polar Express, Kevin. (laughs) It's a great book. Great artwork Uh, in that book. They also have a book called Santa Claus, which it just has a... Photos of the largest Santa collection, um, thinking it's either in the United States or the world. And it's just pictures of his collection. I was thinking about your mom, because she has such a large Santa collection, Corey. <laughs> uh, Mickey hat ornaments, $5. You have traditional, Fantasia, or pirate. Like I mentioned before, they have the non-Disney glass ornaments. Uh, as well as the fleur-de-lis, they have these gorgeous clip-on glass birds, you know, with the feathers and the glitter. Those are some yeah. of my favorites. Those are the old-time type. Yeah, I love those. Christmas cards, traditional and more modern varieties, $14 per box, and there are eight designs to choose from. Fiber-optic Christmas trees, antenna topper sets. They come with reindeer, Santa, candy cane, and a Happy New Year. Then they have something called the Walt Disney World Showcase Collection, which are your tabletop standing like Christmas ornament characters. They're a collaboration between traditional Disney and Jim Shore's Heartwood Creek. So they're wooden, 
They feature Donald Tangled in Lights, which is hilarious. I love that one. <laughs> Pluto as a reindeer, Santa Mickey, Tinkerbell, and then Pooh and Piglet trimming their tree. Now, these are between 21 and $35. How big are they? They stand about anywhere from, I'd say, four, like six inches high to even maybe 11. Wow. Yeah. They're nice. Now, a few things. I also went to the Ye Old Christmas shop just to see if they had anything different from what the Days of Christmas offered. And the only thing I found were the holiday Mickey hands. They're red with uh, green accents. And then the Christmas music. I could not find music in the Days store, which is weird. You know, they had DVDs and books. But the Christmas music I found at Ye Old Christmas shop at Magic Kingdom. They have the Muppets Green and Red Christmas, uh, Cheetah Girls Cheetahlicious Christmas, <laughs> Baby Einstein, Baby Santa, and then Return to Zero's Snowfall. I also want to mention that in every theme park, they offer holiday merchandise. And on your park map, they're all noted with a little holiday gift box. So if you're not in the Magic Kingdom or you can't make it to downtown Disney, search the other theme park maps and you'll be able to get what you need. I just want to mention that the next store tour will be the United States, but I'm not really looking forward to it. <laughs> well, their shop is just not very big, so we'll it's, see it's what very how, small. how it goes. But that, that, the shop at Downtown Disney, that thing's huge mm-hmm. that you went to. I it mean, is. it wraps around. It's like an L-shaped, and it, it just goes forever. It's a very popular store. Yeah. It was packed every time I've been in there. One of the nice things about that store, too, is that you can get something for five or six bucks. You can. You know, you can walk out of there with a really cool memento and and something to go home with where other stores it's like oh, i can't afford anything of right. course everything i liked though was definitely not five <laughs> or six dollars <laughs> right of course not <laughs> that's the way it is well thank you for our gift oh you're so yeah, welcome thank, yeah, you, thank very you very much. much julie did they have one more thing i'm sorry did they have the embroidery person in the back yes they did okay. for the hats and things it's a question we get a lot is yeah, where can i have something do. embroidered at that store they have it in the very back where all your uh holiday wear your t-shirts and stuff like that and they do the o- ornament too so and that should be done if you're going to do that you might want to do it, it needs early to be done in the in day mm-hmm. we um, we have a little tradition we do every year we uh we usually buy a, like a set of 10 or 8 ornaments and we bring them to louisiana and every time we go to either fa- a family or friend's house that has a christmas tree we hide a, a disney ornament on their tree somewhere oh cool they usually don't find it until they're they taking take their, their tree, tree down, down. They know it's from us. Yeah. I mean, who else is sticking out a Mickey, really a Mickey ornament on their tray? So. That's cool. And we try to do it to different people as well, not always to the same people. So it's fun when I get that phone call in January and they're like, did you put an ornament on our tree? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. That's cute. Well, thank you, Julie. Thank you for You're that welcome. little Christmas tour. And uh, we're going to move on. And Kevin Close has a review of Tusker House for us at the Animal Kingdom yeah, we went the other day. They've changed Tusker House from a counter service restaurant to a uh, full buffet. And we decided to check it out. I thought this was a great addition to the Animal Kingdom. This is a full-scale buffet. And before I even start, I have to tell you that any um, comparison to Boma is just un- unavoidable. It is a small-scale version of Boma. I was drooling. Sorry. It's okay. They The flavors are very similar. And just want to mention to anybody who doesn't know, Boma is another restaurant in the Animal Kingdom Lodge Hotel uh, that offers a, a very popular buffet. So. You know I always forget to do that. I just assume everybody listening yeah, knows exactly no, what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, Boma is their African-inspired restaurant, and this is, I would call it Boma Light. 
Really? It, it, yeah. It's set up very similarly. There is not just your typical round or square buffet. There are food stations or pods set up. They are broken up into the bread station, the cold tables, the vegetable tables, the hot tables, the kids' tables, and the dessert tables. And they're set up sort of in a little... Um, Almost like a horseshoe. C shape. Yeah, like a horseshoe shape. There's a lot of space in there. This is where the counter service used to be. So there's a great deal of space to move around. Um, I can only assume, first of all, this is a great place if you're going with people who are sort of adventurous and some that are not so adventurous. I, if you have not adventurous eaters... I don't know how else to put that. If you have some, you know, people who are kind of picky, there's things like rotisserie chicken. There's mashed potatoes. For kids, there's macaroni and cheese and corn nuggets. So it's not all exotic flavors. But for those who are a little more... Um, adventurous? That's the word I'm looking for. Who are a little more adventurous, there are different flavors to be had. I don't know that any of this is traditional African food. My knowledge of African cuisine is limited to uh, Boma in the Animal Kingdom Lodge and the other restaurant there, Jico. So I, I'm not really knowledgeable about African cuisine, so I don't think that any of this is what I would call true African food. It's more African-inspired. Now, one of the things we noticed is uh, green beans must be very, very popular in Africa. That or there's a green bean lobby attacking Disney. <laughs> That's Corey's favorite vegetable. It is. Of the six different stations, I'm sorry, seven stations, green beans were not found on the bread display or the dessert display. Every other display had green beans on it. Wow. wow. On the cold tables, you can get green bean, green bean, green beans, green beans and onions in vinaigrette. On the vegetarian section, there's a vegetarian table, and they have green beans with couscous. There is just plain green beans on the kids' table and green beans with carrots on the the hot food. So if you like green beans, you have got this covered. <laughs> There's a carving station. They had a great uh, sirloin and uh, coffee-rubbed pork loin, which sounds odd, different, but it tasted yeah. very good. Uh, there was also a couple of different sauces. There was no jus. There was a brown gravy, and there was a sweet and spicy mustard to put on your meat, which was absolutely delicious. Mm. Mashed potatoes were available everywhere. I don't know why it is, but I cannot pass up those little tiny corn dog nuggets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know they're on the kids' table, and they're not really for me. However, as soon as I walk in, they call me. <laughs> uh this was, I, I enjoyed it. We took my mom with us, who is the least adventurous eater you would ever meet, and she had no trouble finding things that she could eat, and she has dietary restrictions, so there were things that they were just, there was something for everybody. You thought it was pretty good, too, didn't you? I thought the food was very good. Um, what was really nice about it was, while there are things there that are a little exotic, a lot of it has to do with the sauces, so you could get the meat plain put the sauce on the side so you weren't sort of offended by or assaulted by the flavors that are, that were there. You weren't committed either. You could, you know, taste it. And right, move. taste and move, which is nice at the buffet. They had a um, the uh, chicken dish. Um, curry chicken. They had a curry chicken dish that was unbelievable. They actually call it uh, Cape Malay Curry Chicken, and it was right next to the basmati rice with toasted almonds. So mm. it was, it was a, a great... It's, it's more like a, a stew, but it went really well over the rice. Now, I don't want people to think that I am noise-sensitive. However, I'm aware of my surroundings. I thought Tusker House was loud when it was a counter service. We went to a private event there one night, and they had a small uh, 
three-piece African band playing, and I swear my ears were ringing. This place needs some acoustical tile. It needs some drapes. It needs a couple of rugs. It was like you were inside a steel drum. Oh, no. Yeah, when, first, when I first got there, there were maybe 20 tables full. And you know how big Tusker House is. It's that same number of seating. Mm. So this is a small percentage of that restaurant was full, and it was just so loud. It was. It was like being in a steel drum with marbles. It, it was just so loud. <laughs> um, they've changed the entrance to the restaurant. You no longer enter through the front of the building. There's a station off to the end near the Dawa Bar, mm-hmm. and you check in. Lo and behold, they lost our reservation. I have to say that the staff was absolutely wonderful. They reinstated a reservation. And I said, does this happen a lot? And she said no. And, you know. I was just about to ask you that. That's never happened to you before. It's never happened to us before. And she said, you walked up here like you had a reservation. And, you know, we just believe that you did. So they were wonderful about that. However, you're escorted around the back of the restaurant. You're given a buzzer until they're ready to take you in. Once they take you in, you go around the back and you enter through the back door. It was it was really very nice. Lunch was nineteen ninety nine per person. Wow, which I thought was pretty reasonable. Very reasonable, yeah. Uh, in the morning, there's a character breakfast that is eighteen ninety nine a person, and they have a very similar buffet at for dinner. Um, similar, I mean, in the the menu choices for the lunch and the dinner are very similar, and but that jumps to twenty six ninety nine. Now, breakfast is ten ninety nine for the three and three to nine set. Lunch, I believe, is ten ninety nine, and dinner is twelve ninety nine for the three to nine. And they give you uh, when you first sit down. There's a sort of a map of the buffet. So we got out our markers. Oh, and, that's cool. And we made our plans, like you know, your attack plan. Yeah, there is. There's a map diagram kind of thing. Wow. So you can kind of figure out which way you're going to go, and I think it's a great addition. It's also not burgers and fries. Mm. But if you're looking for rotisserie chicken or if those flavors from Tusker House were to your liking, you can still get the rotisserie chicken and things like that at the the buffet. It's also, it's one of the air-conditioned places in Animal Kingdom. So we've all talked about Animal Kingdom being absolutely the hottest place on earth. This is a nice, it wasn't that hot the day we were there, but it was still warm. So it's a nice respite from the, the park. It's a loud respite. And if you like green beans, it's great. But um, it's still a nice place to go in and sit down. They do take the Disney dining experience. They do. And John and I have started a campaign. It's they, just us, so it's not a big campaign. It's just us so far. <laughs> I want to join. Okay. <laughs> what we've done is we're Disney dining experience members, and they have decided to add an 18% gratuity to your check starting next year with the Disney dining experience. It's going to be an automatic gratuity. The gratuity will be uh, placed on your check prior to the 20% discount that you get with the Disney Dining Experience. And I have decided that every time I pay for a check with my Disney Dining Experience, I am going to write on the check someplace that if you insist on adding an 18% service charge, it's not a gratuity if you're telling me I have to pay it. And I don't. if that's what you want to do, I think Disney needs to call it what it is. It is a service charge. If it, you're imposing it on me, I don't have a choice. A gratuity means I have a choice. So I am writing on every one of my checks, if you are going to impose an 18% service charge, that is all you're going to get. Now, they haven't done that yet, so I explained to the waiter, our server, listen, I want you to see that we've tipped you far more than the 18% because you were terrific. However, 
once this starts, that's what you're going to get from us because you're imposing this on me. Right. So I don't know if it's going to do any good, but I, he explained to me that accounting would see these things. And I think that's my sort of little way of quiet resistance. <laughs> Gandhi. <That's right. laughs> um, but Gandhi close. That's me. I think this is a great addition to Animal Kingdom. And now I hear the rumblings that, well, now you've taken away all the counter service. The, all that's left is the Flame Tree Barbecue and Pizza Fari. So now there's too many sit-down places. Before it was there's no sit-down places in Animal Kingdom. Now there's too many. I think those are the people who are just never going to be happy no exactly. matter what they do. I still have the McDonald's over there also. This is a nice addition. I, I don't know that it's one of those. It's not one of those places that I would set out from home and saying I'm going to Tusker House yeah, for lunch. Yeah, yeah. Right. But if I was in the park and I was hungry, it would be someplace I would make. If I planned on being in the park, I would make a reservation. And we will have some. Uh, actually, one of our listeners uh, called in uh, from Animal Kingdom uh, and left a voicemail with a review of the Donald of uh, the new Donald's uh, character breakfast. So we're going to have that in our email show this week as well. That's if really good. Interested in that? Yeah, it works out. Works out well. I was thinking that maybe someday in the future we would go back and do that. So it's terrific that someone else has done it. Yeah, nice. Just gave us a nice little three minute, uh, three minute quick overview. So and pricing is That's, comparable to everything. everything yeah, it's else very on property, reasonable. I, you know? uh, the, uh, I think it's one of the least expensive character breakfasts on property. Uh, yeah. Well, just you know, but just in talking about uh, the lunch and the dinner prices. Uh, that's really reasonable. It is. And I'm, I, I yeah. think, you know, I understand that you could probably do less at a counter service. But if I was going up and I was hungry for lunch, I mean, chances are if you're going to a buffet, it's going to be one of your big meals for the day or your mm. big meal. I don't think 20 bucks is bad by Disney no. standards. It's a decent amount of food. It's a decent variety. And they've also implemented those new ceramic um, warmers for the food. And the mm-hmm. food really stayed hot. So that was a nice treat as well. It didn't. It, it, those new those new warmers that they've put in also don't cause that sort of buffet crust on the top of things. You know that steam tables cause. Yeah. This seemed to be much fresher. They also turn. Oh, Bob, there's something you've got to go try. Mm. I don't mean to keep adding on to this. They have a seafood stew. I was going to ask you about that. The hostess, when she sat us, leaned down and said to me, "Don't miss the seafood stew." One last thing. I have a feeling that you know how certain things get a reputation and those other things you have to go have. Mm. Don't listen, John. They have an, a banana cinnamon uh, bread pudding Ooh. for dessert with <laughs> a vanilla sauce. Oh, I'm with John. That sounds gross. Oh, that sounds really good. <laughs> Look like a giant <laughs> scab. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the image. This was delicious. It was absolutely excellent. So I thought that was really good. That's going to be one of those things that you hear people talk about. Don't miss the bread pudding. So Tusker House is definitely a do. Yeah, I think it's really good. I like it better than I liked it when it was a counter service. That's We'll that's have to try it because then. that was always the place that we ate at Animal Kingdom before the change. Have you ever been to Boma? Yes, I didn't like it. I'm sorry. Oh, wow, cool. really? Mm-hmm. But it I think you'll like this one. I think you will. Try it. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's not as I mean, exotic. it was a year ago that we were at Boma, but I just didn't enjoy it. I think you will on this because there's always something you can have that's not of inspired by the taste of Africa. I think that's mainly what my problem was. Is I'm not a big fan of all those African spices. And it's a good place to get out of the uh, heat of the day in the early afternoon. So it's also a great vegetarian choice. There's a lot of vegetarian can ta- choices. Can you take a nap there? I could. I would imagine Probably that you have. could 
Well, Bob probably could. <laughs> Not if it sounds like you're inside of a steel drum. I with marble. Asleep anyway. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter with him. It was. It's very, very, very loud. Cacophonous, as a matter of fact. Oh, there's a 25-cent word, cacophonous. Cacophonous. Now spell it. Um. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, Kevin, thank you very much. That's going to do it for our show this week. Just want to remind everyone that we are doing our email shows on Wednesdays now. So uh, this show will go up for you on Tuesday the 4th or the 5th. Yeah, Tuesday the 4th and then on Wednesday the 5th the uh, our email show goes up. So thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back with you again next Tuesday with another edition of the Diz Unplugged Roundtable. Thanks for listening.